So it's uh, Monday, 7 p.m. London time and 2 p.m. Eastern time. And we're back again with another wonderful topic for you guys. Uh, before I start, I would like my co-host to introduce themselves. So you will be more familiar with who's speaking what. Let's go with you, Simon. Hi, I'm Simon, Simon Rushton, host of Taxi's Chronicles. Um, my my podcast is about people getting in the taxi and we're just having a general conversation. I've got over 500 episodes. It's from all different subjects and all different things. Can everybody mute their mic, please? Thank you. And it's just very, it's very interesting. We post at 8 p.m. every day um, without fail. That's British Standard Time. Over to you, Victor. Yeah, thank you, Simon. Thank you very much. Um, can somebody mute their mic? Can you hear me now? Great. Yes, we you can. Okay, great. I'm Victor Osio. I'm the host of the Diaspora Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we speak to entrepreneurs from the diaspora, um, African and Caribbean origin, who talk, who we discuss, have conversation about their strategy, their winning ways, and how to move from the lifestyle of um, from the nine to five to the lifestyle of freedom. Over to you, Carla. Hi, and I'm Carla. I'm the host of the Wonder and Wellbeing podcast, which is a podcast for parents and teachers of kids between the ages of seven and 14 years old. And it's all about wellbeing and education. Over to you, Haula. Thank you, Carla. So my name is Haula, and I'm the host of the podcast, Women in the Stories, where I share real stories from real women around the world, and mainly expats who arose from above uh, from different challenges. Back to you, Matilda. And I'm Matilda, host of Coffee with Matilda, a journey to self. We had a little bit of a break, but we're back and we're on. So tune in for my podcast as well. If you like about, it's about self-development, self-love, self-discovery. So, okay, I'm going to go to the show. Uh, today's topic is very interesting. It was very interesting for me because I did lots of, tons of research about it as well. Why we hold on to things. Uh, the objects that we own is deeply intertwined with who we are as a person. Like, pay attention to your stuff. Like, uh, right now, look carefully to uh, what you have. Um, like, go to your fridge, go to your food cabinet, your books, your clothes, your garage, your storage. Your possessions represents deeper things. It's your history, it's your relationships, it's your dreams. Based on culture, gender, personality, actually, this is a very deep topic. And I hope you guys can take the time to reflect on yourself a little bit. Our possessions are not just objects. They are the markers of our identity. So I'm going to start with first question. And I'm going to ask all of you guys. So please, our audience, uh, write us what uh, about write the answer for us as well and i'm asking my co-host what do the things you own say about who you are let's go carla um i think the things i own definitely say that i'm a mother i think that's really obvious when you come in my home that i'm a mother because everything is set up that way um, and also, I'm definitely a person who doesn't have a lot of things. I'm not attached to possessions. I keep a very minimal amount of stuff. 
um, and I use everything that I have. Um, but also I think it says that I'm quite creative. There's a lot of certain things. So there are a lot of paints, there are a lot of books, there are a lot of things to do with learning, um, but not a lot of clothes. <laughs> so, so I'm not a, like a fashionista or anything. Um, so uh -huh. it's, really, it's really interesting. My possessions definitely talk about who I am. Um, and it's I'm a mother, I'm a creative, and I'm a person who likes to learn because that's what you find a lot of in my house. Oh, very nice. Lovely. What about you, Kaula? Well, I could join Carla too. Uh, I'm a little bit minimalist, but I've learned this to be minimalist from my experience as a student moving to um, to country and moving to cities. Uh, when I move, I feel like I have a lot of things to give and a lot of things to carry. So it's a little bit of a problematic <laughs> to carry everything each time. And it's exhausting to do that. So I learned to be a minimalist. Uh, if you see my bedroom, I have like a simple, simple bedroom, big bed and wardrobe and white desk, and I have paintings. So I think it reflects also to my personality because uh, I'm an introvert and I don't like to express a lot of my feelings and a lot of stuff in my bedroom. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I learned through the years to to not possess uh, stuff or have a lot of stuff. Very nice, awesome. What about you, Victor? Hmm. It's kind of um, a tough one. I, I, I do have, um, anyways, thank you, Matilda. But what I'll say is our possessions over time, they kind of, um, they're like a signpost of where we were at a particular time in our life. So there are some there are some that are very very sentimental to us. I have I have lots of stuff. Let me say I'm not a minimalist. I have lots of stuff. I have storage that I tend to keep stuff. But I if I don't use them within a certain amount of time, say six to twelve, let me say twelve months, I find a way to just get rid of them. But for some funny reason, I was checking my stories a couple of days ago, and I still saw some stuff that I had like three, four, five years ago. And because I shuttle between London and the Nigeria, so I still have lots of stuff in Nigeria as well. So, but these things are very, very not, not, not just not stuff, but they are, they are some that are very sentimental to me. And are very dear to my heart. So, yeah, I'm not a minimalist, anyways. Very nice. What about you, Simon? <laughs> oh, um, thanks, um, Matilda. For me personally, um, I've been a. I've never been messy. I don't agree with being messy. Um, I've bought a lot of stuff before. I bought a lot of stuff I don't need, but I do go. I have gone through these phases in life where I've just got rid of everything, um, basically because I was going to live in another country or I was going to join a military or I was working away from home, I had to rent out my flat. And I think that's like a purge in time because there's you really suddenly start to see what matters. And since I've come back to live in England, I've realised that I only... Less is more. I like that Japanese um, way of doing things when you go in a house... And there's not really anything on display that's not needed to be on display. 
I really, really can work, that really works with me. And I only keep things in the sense of what is um, what it says about me is practicality. If I don't need it, I'll give it away. I, I, I have a big um, IKEA chest of drawers I brought as I was going to use that as like a to go with my podcasting desk set. And I realized it's too big. I can't take it back to the shop. So I'm just going to give it away. Um, I just phoned up some friends that you need it. And he said, yeah, here, take it. And I don't care about the price or anything that I've paid. It's just practicality. I don't need it. It's taken up space. I get rid of it. Um, and that's how I've lived um, <laughs> since I've come back to England for the last two years. And I shall try and keep that. Um, and, yeah, it's along those lines, really. Back to you, uh, Matilda. Nice. That's great. I mean, see, um, um, it's see like every we can see our personalities with our with our possessions, with our objects that we own. You know, it was funny. Like even if you go to someone's house that is um, that is fit, you when you look at their fridge, you see the items are very different than someone that doesn't care and eats a lot. Uh, I certainly can relate. Even the times that I cared or I was on a diet, my food fridge was different scenario than when I don't care and I eat some junk food in it. So maybe time to time, even period to period, your possessions can change as well. Depends on what uh, uh, projects you're taking on in your life. But I want to ask um, Victor, you're a father. Father of three, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you're a devoted husband. And for God's sake, you grew up in a household of 52 brothers and sisters. I mean, this is amazing. You got the opportunity to understand a lot of humans in a very intimate matters, uh, in a very close way. I can ask you this question, so answer it based on your life experience. How do you think our possessions reveal about us hmm. and that was oh, a very good question when i was um growing up when i started to become independent um given my background i, I went to at the age of 11 i went to the boarding house oh. so yeah so it was you and your suitcase you get so and as you come home for holidays, you get some stuff. You get some valuable stuff, whereby, because we are from a very large family, we kind of, when we move to the next level, we kind of pass it down. So there was no real attachment to those, to those stuff as we grow up. But as I begin, as a father, and as I begin to buy stuff, I kind of know where, how my father bought acquires his own stuff. So he bought stuff that are valuable, that would actually last, that will increase in value. So I'm not, um, I'm not, I won't say I'm a shopaholic. I won't say I go out of my way to buy stuff. <laughs> but I actually kind of, I've been programmed to buy stuff that I actually grow mm. in value. So that is just my own life experience. And we are so much in our family whereby, you know, your possession, what is yours is mine. 
if I have a brand new pair of shoes, I have like two, three other brothers who have the same size of feet. So if you're not, if, if I you need not, someone from this 52 say If you don't say on time, you wake up and you're about to like go out, your shoes are gone. <laughs> so you'll be like, who took the shoes? So if you want to, so so when we buy stuff, we just make sure that we buy what is actually required for for the particular season. So <laughs> that is just my experience, anyways. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Just to jump in there, we've got a comment from Sasha. It says it's human nature to possess. It's about energy and communication, social status, and reproduction. Uh, possessions is something related to emotions, not rationality. I think it's inside our DNA. It's an interesting comment because um, possessions haven't been around forever. We've been on the planet and as we've um, lived on, more and more possessions have come about. So I suppose the first possession would probably be a stick <laughs> or something like that. But anyway, back to you, Matilda. <laughs> Very good. I was going to ask this question from Nelson. Nelson today is not, I mean, he's not joining us or he might join us. We'll see, hopefully. Uh, but I wanted to ask him, it was about America, but jump in if any of you guys uh, have any comment about it. Why we need more than what we need. Um, you know, in America right now, there's 50,000 storage facilities. It's more than Starbucks. It's more than McDonald's. It's a $37 billion business. I mean, it's huge. So why do you think we want more than what we need? Any of you? I would Have jump you? in Any there. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I, would, I would jump in there just to say it's not everybody. It's a certain kind of person who loves to shop in channel. Mm -hmm. And Primark. <laughs> Sorry, that's a common shop in England. And they just don't want to throw stuff away. They don't want to throw stuff away. They don't want to live practical. And they've got, you could say, more money than sense. This is what we'd say back uh, um, in Jamaica that was spent. Um, that would be my answer to that. And with, Because if you add up how long, how much it costs you to have something in storage, you might as well just sell it and then rebuy it later on down the line. But then there's also that emotional thing. So, oh, no, these were my uh, child's first little shoes. Yeah, but she's 26 now. She's not going to fit into shoes that small. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. she still don't want to throw them away. Yeah, and it's like, ah, well, what do you do? Yeah. What, I would say, what, what I would say to that, I am not, I'm not an American, so I would not, but to kind of just oppose from where, from my background, or the current happenings right now, cash is kind of cheap in America. When I mean cash is cheap, you pay almost nothing to get cash in the US. So there's bound to be some excess cash to just to throw around or to make you no one to like get rid of stuff because, oh, I still have enough. So why would I want to get rid of that? I can actually keep them. So it kind of boils down to the availability, the resources, the um, the society as well, the the consumerism, the push towards owning more stuff. Whereas if you flip it to, let's say, the UK, whereby cash is still cheap, but because there's no more, there's no space 
space is ex space is expensive here so as space becomes expensive for you to like keep one two three storage man it is it is expensive <laughs> not to talk about in in a country like nigeria whereby cash is not is very expensive uh -huh. So for you to for you to go buy watch and what does not really add value to you, you have you kind of have to like rethink and rethink and rethink before you like wipe out your debit card or your credit card to like buy stuff. That's a very interesting point you're mentioning, Victor. I think that's true. You know, in countries that they are developed and they have good money to spend. People are just spending a lot of on extra things. Whereas in a poorer country, they are um, they're not spending that much on unnecessary stuff because they need their they need to keep their money for for other things, for more important things. We got um, a comment from Sasha coming through. It says storage situation in the US is also related to the fact that people are moving more, which is very interesting because there's one state in America that has a million homeless and they're all living in tents. Now, you they obviously born in America, ideally they're born in America, I assume I should say they're born in America. So if you become homeless because of the 2008 crash, you may not want to give up all your possessions because you ideally are planning to get home again. So you would put that in storage. You can't stay in the storage facility. So you go and stay in this tent. And and that is, I remember watching a crime watch situation where this woman got murdered and all of her possessions, she was keep she had kept all her possessions in the storage facility and was sleeping rough. And that was the situation. But someone assumed that she had lots of money for some reason and um, you know, sad demise. And back to you, Matilda. Oh wow. That's interesting, actually. I never thought about it. Nice. So I want to ask, um, I mean, all of you guys moved around a lot. You, Simon, Victor, Carla, Carla, Nelson as well, that is missing. Um, when you move different countries, different cities, you're constantly, you know, gathering your stuff and going to somewhere else. That's actually a good way of decluttering your life in a way, because, you know, you have, you cannot take all of it to another place. I want to see your experience because I want to start with Carla. For example, you lived in Middle East. I'm sure there were things from Middle East you couldn't bring back to um, England. How was your experience? Does that moving makes you declutter your life? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't need an excuse to declutter. If you stand up, I will move your chair away. That's how much I like to get rid of stuff. So if you want it, you better sit on it. But I remember what Howla was saying earlier, and she made me laugh at you, because when I came back from the Middle East, I thought that I'd got rid of everything that we didn't need and want. And I still ended up with too much stuff. And actually what happened was every time I made a move on that journey, so we went to Scotland. When I left Scotland, I got rid of stuff. And actually I went right down to the bare minimum because I realized you just, I couldn't carry it. I couldn't travel with it. And also I taught my son a lesson as well because I thought it was a good thing to say to my son, if you can't carry it, you can't take it. And I felt like it was an important message for him to learn at a young age that if you're moving around, your stuff can be a burden and it can get to the point where you will miss out on an opportunity or you'll miss out on a move because you're worrying about your things. And it was really difficult for him because he had a small amount of toys, but then he had to make it even smaller in order to carry it. 
but I could see that it was a really good thing to teach him. Um, and But it was a bit brutal. It was a brutal process that we had to go through to be able to manage to move the stuff ourselves. Um, but I think it was important because I think when you're moving from one place to another, you say that you're getting a new life, don't you? But if you're getting a new life with old stuff, you're not really getting a new life. You're just changing your life from one place to another. And I think it's a good opportunity when you do move from one country to another to reinvent yourself and to get a whole new life. Um, but you do have to kind of break your attachment to your things. And that's why, for me, giving it to charity is always the, the step because it helps you to understand that when you give it to someone else who's really in need of it at that time, when you're not, that's better than just carrying it and storing it up just because you don't want to let go of it. So, yeah, that's what I do. I also give it to charity or give it to people who are in more need. And I keep that in mind when it's painful. <laughs> Very nice. Interesting. What about you, Simon? Uh, I mean, you've traveled a lot and uh, you lived in different countries. Um, um, the, I think the biggest experience for me is do, whether being in the military, because the military, you carry everything on your back. And you're not always able to get a ride. Sometimes you have to walk with your kit. So it comes down to practicality. I don't need two pair of boots. I can deal with two pairs of socks. <laughs> I can dry one round my neck while I'm walking. You know, all this stuff, you, you just suddenly, uh, really? I don't need that. I don't need this. I don't need, yeah, it's just very practicality. If I sleep, like sleeping bag, do I need my winter sleeping bag or should I just sleep in my in my clothes in the sleeping bag? And then I don't, <laughs> you start improvising, man. You start, because, you know, you want it, you got to carry it and you don't want to slow down the team because you're in the team and um, you can't be the weak link. It's embarrassing as well. You want to be the weak link and all the rest of it. And um, also you have to pack your stuff very quickly. So uh, we use the term, if you get bumped in the night, as in the enemy comes to attack you, yeah, you lay down fire or whatever, but you may do what we break contact move, where you pack up all your kit very quickly while you're oppo shooting, and then you join shooting and here pack up his kit, and it's got to be done very quickly in the dark, pitch black. You don't want to leave anything behind. Oh, because everything, everything you're carrying, you really need. Yeah? <laughs> and, and then you've got... a. Uh, Leapfrog out your way, slowly breaking contact, shooting, blah, 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 and you can't everything. And it's surprising what people leave and in training, and it's also very surprising what people suddenly realize that they can do. Like, you can share a spoon with your friend. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? You lose a spoon, or suddenly you never needed a spoon all the time. You just get the canteen. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What this summer? I'll save it for Christmas. That kind, of, <laughs> that kind of. You suddenly improvise. It's just improvising, and you can see how nomads. Nomads are a prime example, but I'll I'll leave it at that and let um someone else have a. Wait, 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 wait. So wait, 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 wait. How do you how do you dry your socks on your neck? Easy, oh. if the, because your neck, your body's a radiator. Yeah. So if if as the heat as you put it around your neck, as the heat pushes out, the outside of here is just atmosphere. It's cold for a certain tension, so they will dry. Do you understand? Assuming you're not overly sweating, yeah, and things like that. Obviously, they're not going to be like 
you've just come in from the like your wife just washed them. Yeah. You you don't need to worry about that because you want to Sometimes be. I'm a wife wash uh, socks. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you're you're married. You'll soon find out, love. <laughs> yeah, yes, you know. Uh, uh, yes, Sally, you'll find out, love. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> that's part of my responsibility. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, that's another. That's another conversation. Uh, but we've got a comment from your lovely husband here. Uh, possessions are not. Working, uh, your, <laughs> your possessions are not only material; it's emotional. It's also an important part in a relationship. That's including socks, Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> but back over to you, Matilda. <laughs> so I'm going to ask uh, Victor, what about you? Yeah, I've forgotten the question now. So, <laughs> so you're moving uh, different countries, you're owning different stuff. I mean, does it help you? Uh, to declutter when you move from a place to another place. Yeah, like I told you, I went to the boarding house. So it's not it's not military great, but it's you and your bag, you and your small box. So like what Carla is teaching his son, if you can't carry it, don't don't even bother. So when we want to go from uh, from um, home to school to the hostel, you need to carry what you can carry. If not, the buses are not going to wait for you. So you need to Very jump good. off and just like know how to just pick your suitcase and you're gone. And when you're coming back, when your hostel is shut and you guys are running towards the bus, you know, it's chaotic. So you learn how to like actually prime. Not military grade, but you know how to you learn how to prime. And also, um, yeah, it actually streams streamlined your possessions because when i moved from nigeria to here nothing almost like with the clothes that i'm wearing on my back and just oh wow and a rucksack so and you leave everything behind but there are some possessions which like i said earlier which are very very valuable as you grow up in life mm -hmm. start having a family I don't know when we're having this conversation before. There are some stuff that my father had that we still like cherish till today, till tomorrow. Some Cora beads were like over, almost 50 years old. We still cherish oh, wow. them till tomorrow because the present value of those things are just yeah, you can you can't even find them right now to buy the quality you can find them to buy. So you have we have to like keep all those stuff and most likely landed properties as well. So that's the truth. <laughs> okay. It's funny. Yeah. When, uh, it's funny when Victor. Oh, sorry, you got a comment first. In uh, uh, Sasha says, in economy now, people are not buying only material things, but they are investing in themselves. Knowledge is a new asset, and it's a new trend in economy. Um, Okay, but back to what I was um, relation when Victor said socks. I will mm -hmm. confess when my I used to look after my granddad in his last days, and he had seven strokes. And when he passed, he had these socks, these old green socks. Now I was very intimate because I had to bathe him and look after him and help feed him and everything. And I was only like fourteen. 
but I really, he, my granddad was everything to me. And I decided, all right, well, I'm going to wear the socks. So I'm going to be close to him. But if you could see these socks, they look like they come from the 1920s. <laughs> they were green with kind of zigzag pattern. They went really long up to your knees. But I wore them in defiance. And I think I wore them until I couldn't wear them anymore. And finally, I think my grand or someone um, decided that she's going to take them away, which I wasn't very happy about. But yeah, that's just a classic of um, sorry, possessions. And when something means to you, like my father's old builder's cup, it's just a yellow plastic one pound cup from the or mug, I should say. It's about so high um, from the Poundland. And uh, I've I believe I still got that till this day, and I I wouldn't throw it away. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. We're gonna come back to that uh, thought, um, Simon, because what you said it was it's very important element in our conversation. But I want to finish up with Kaula to see. I mean, as a woman, I'm sure there are women that are listening. As a woman, we tend to buy a lot of things, uh, from cosmetics to I don't know makeup stuff, um, beauty stuff, uh, clothes, books. Uh, what about you? You're, you moved around a lot. Uh, how is the moving helped you to declutter your life? Uh, actually, the shift happened when I was uh, 20, 20 years old, and I needed to move from the north to, to Paris. And uh, I got overwhelmed with all the stuff I had. <laughs> and mm. no one was there to help me to transport all the stuff. So it was either to throw things back, sell them, give it to someone. Uh, so I tried to sell half of stuff, uh, give it to people, uh, throw stuff. And uh, that time I realized that uh, if I will go to Paris, I will not buy stuff. I will just keep things really minimal, minimum, minimum things. And, um, and even just to transport things from city to another city, it costs a lot, a lot than the items. So um, that's what I've learned. I learned really to, to buy things really that I need to. Uh, my sister is different than me. She has a lot of stuff. <laughs> she can give away stuff. So um, I borrow stuff from her too. <laughs> so I won't buy a lot of things. But uh, yeah, I've learned a, lo a lot from that experience because uh, I was alone at that time and I needed help and find it. So I figured out a way to, to get rid of a lot of stuff I had. Great. I have another question from you, Carlos, since you're on the uh, question spot. I want to see, right now, like it's all about uh, the world is changing. I mean, we buy things that is not even tangible um, by internet. Like we have cryptocurrency is the digital yeah. asset now that a lot of people are into it. Or actually when I checked, I mean, I've never done any gaming, uh, but I was doing some research about this topic and I saw a lot of people that they're the gamers, they spend a lot of money, a lot of money on buying tools for their game too, so they can uh, advance and uh, to go further in that game. How is this possible that, I mean, this is a new concept for humanity before we didn't have it, to buy things that we cannot even touch and we yeah. feel the ownership about it. How is that? Can you explain it a bit? 
Well, uh, now actually, I think with, with Corona and the lockdown, a lot of people went to this virtual world. Uh, and now it has increased a lot because now they are trying to put um, expensive uh, virtual events. Uh, now, a lot of people, they are doing Zoom events when people need to pay to go to these events. And you have rooms and you enter to different rooms. And uh, if you want to enter to rooms, you need to have a proper uh, dress, uh, drink, and you can't enter like that. And you need to pay for that. So I don't know. I don't feel for me I can experience this kind of virtual events, uh, expensive stuff, because I feel it's very depressing and it takes out uh, the excitement to meet people and to to feel their emotions. So this is a new way also to socialize with the <laughs> after COVID and during lockdown too. And with the other part of paying with Bitcoin because it's the most popular cryptocurrency. Um, it has a lot of major uh, risks and threat to online hacking. Um, and also Bitcoin is not really a safe way to buy things because the value could change and the market is not really um, a safe way to, to, to buy with, with Bitcoin. I don't know if you guys have, a, have experience with Bitcoins to, to share it with us. Um, uh, uh, oof. Hala, that is not entirely, entirely true because, um, one, people are using, um, a great, um, visual summits. So the breakout rooms has connected more people to do business, fall in love, go out, you know. Lots of stuff. So breakout rooms in Zoom and visual events are really great, great because um, one COVID has given us another pathway to follow, or it has given a different perspective to like link up. And also, when it comes to Bitcoin, Bitcoin, I'm not an advocate for. I'm not a greatest, a greatest advocate for Bitcoin, but it has. Um, for for a radical like yourself, it has really it has really shifted the way the central banking system, the way the institution um, controls everything. So it is the digitalization of different currencies. Now, even the pound is not stable, even though it's monetary stable, the dollar is monetary stable, but they still fluctuate, just like everything that's in the market, it fluctuates. Depends on people's moods, just like the way um, I don't know what Elon Musk did some weeks ago, and some digital currencies fell. So, but it, it has to go with people's moods. And if you see people betting against the dollar, betting against the euro, they bet against this because one thing what happened in London today now can affect the stock market, can affect the pound. So, there are so many things that can actually affect different stuff. So there's risk and there's reward in using um, digital um, digital tools or acquiring digital tools. And we have lots of people who have Bitcoin, have different type of coins now, and the whole blockchain. I'm not an expert, but it's what in real physical notes, the paper money, it's worth a lot of change. It's worth a lot. So... 
Okay, what about, uh, I think Carla has some experience with gaming uh, data. Before that, we just got a comment from Nelson. Obviously, Nelson's not here today for uh, personal reasons. He says, I agree with Sasha. Now people are investing in themselves. Back to you, Matilda. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm not personally not a gamer, but being the mother of a 10-year-old, I've heard some rumours about the gaming and the whole online world. And um, I first became familiar with this actually with a colleague of mine. It wasn't actually my son who was building a city on a game. And then later had she'd paid into this game, buying all these extra things in the app store and all that kind of stuff. But then she told me that she, I said to her, what happened to your game? She told me I sold it to a guy in Kuwait. And I was like, you sold it. You sold your virtual city <laughs> for money. And she was like, yeah, that's what you do. And then later when I saw my son playing games and stuff, I, I became interested in it. And even today where we were talking about preparation for the show, I found this website and these are just some examples of things that have been sold um, related to the gaming world. So um, in a game called Diablo 3, um, they had numerous in-game um, in auctions. One of the most commonly sold items was sold for $14,000. What? In a game. <laughs> this is nothing. This is nothing, Matilda. In another game, um, this one, let me see. Oh, there's so many of them. I'm actually looking at them now. So, and, and if you thought the world of W0W or Diablo transactions were crazy, you'd really think about this one. In 2012, so this was a long time ago, a player bought a sword for over $16,000 in the beta of the Age of Wushu. So if you'd like a virtual sword, $60,000. Um, and yeah, the, they go on and on. The nest egg, about six years ago, an IRL version of Hagrid bought an egg in Entropia for over $70,000. And just to give you a heart attack, the moon, all of which, all of us wish we were rich enough to, to buy the moon. Well, an investor group actually bought it in the game Entropia once again for... $150,000. <laughs> so wow. that's in the gaming world. But then you've also got digital art. So there's a massive craze connected to um, cryptocurrency and the whole blockchain technology. You've got um, a type of digital art called NFTs and they can go for, there's one here that I can see in front of me, 1.58 million. And it's just a little piece of digital art and I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago, there was a, you, you might refer to it as a meme, but it's actually an NFT of a child biting his brother's finger. And he, and he says, ow, Charlie bit my finger. But that actually became very expensive. And let me see if I can find it. Yeah, um, it was an, an early YouTube hit video. It went viral, but then it was turned into an NFT, which is a digital product, basically. And it fetched $761,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's anyone who thinks that, <laughs> it's not just tangible assets now, as um, we've found out, Sasha mentioned, and we've and Howler also mentioned. So, yeah, if you want to buy expensive stuff, you can also buy it out there in the ether. In the digital <laughs> That's very interesting. Just to jump in there, we've got another um, comment. Uh, Bitcoin is just an illusion, and in fact, the material part of Bitcoin are related to energy. That's why China is now fighting against mining um, just a few days ago, and also that's why just in a few 
days, the valuation fell, uh, fell, fell down to 32,000. Okay. Interesting. What I would say with Sasha is that I am still trying to grapple around this um, money, Bitcoin's energy. Some some of these guys say money is kind of money is an energy, it's not real. But I'm still trying to wrap my head around, you know, because if not if it's not real, how can we enjoy its, you know, its reward? It's well, the, an the answer to that actually bring to us. The answer to that, Victor, would be the same way we enjoy the rewards of the pound, um, the dollar, that's just a, an imaginary currency. It's not banked against, against anything substantial. You've got, to, for instance, many people now buy gold and silver uh, and they buy it on the open market, but there's also other people who say, I will buy gold and silver, but I want the solid, the actual gold and silver so I can put it under my bed or in my local safe or wherever. Um, I would go with the idea of buying the, the physical element rather than uh, an imaginary amount, because as my uh, mentor explained to me, when you're dealing with the, the virtual element where you can buy it on the stock exchange, they're selling more gold than actually has been mined. And that's the same with many natural resources. So you're always better off buying and having that physical. And I, I will say yeah. this, you can't, you can't have more, you can never have too much gold. <laughs> Yeah, coming from an Iranian, you can never have enough gold. <laughs> okay. Nelson says, my possessions are a reflection of my values, ideas, and past experiences and future ambitions. Very true. Thank you, Nelson. Back so you, I want to, I want to, you know, you mentioned it briefly, Simon, about uh, emotional connection to objects. I want to bring, I want to give this example, and it, it was fascinating when I heard about it. You know, um, you, you have an emotional connection from childhood to your blanket or teddy bear. So recently I've heard that there was this woman, 83-year-old woman, when Germany was bombing England, uh, they had to restrain her not go upstairs to her um, apartment because she wanted to go back and get her childhood blanket. So she's 83 and she still have her childhood blanket. And without her, without that blanket, she was feeling she's not safe. How do you, how do you, Sarah, you had an experience like that. You have a, I mean, not similar experience, but you have a sentimental uh, object that you cherished it a lot. How do you explain that? Sorry, is that for me? I, I yes. missed Okay. Um, the sentimental... Um, at the end of the day, you have sentimental things, but I'm a, uh, a realist. I'm going to die eventually, and I'm not going to take it with me. Just like the Egyptians, someone's going to nick my stuff or sell it or whatever. So if my life depended on something you're going to take it, it's going to burn or whatever the situation is. I can accept that I won't be able to keep it. Now, as long as I've got my marbles about me, uh, I'll be able to remember uh, things <laughs> in that respect. But, um, you know. But you were, talking about, you were talking about the cup that your father gave you. I want to yeah. understand what is the connection that you have with that cup? 
it's very simple. He used the cup, and I I remember seeing him using that cup, and I will carry on using that thing. Now, eventually, even though it takes 450 years for plastic to wear out, that cup might crack. Something might happen to that cup. And I think, oh, well, it's one of those things, and I will probably um, try and find something else. But I, you know, there's... It's just something as as an adult or as I am as a person, I can accept that nothing lasts forever, and I and I'm perfectly fine and comfortable with that. Very nice. What about you, Victor? Your um, you said there are beats from your father. What does that represent to you? Yeah, it represents it represents part of your father. Do you feel like it's yeah, extension it of your father? Yeah, it does. Because I won't, um, I won't agree with Simon on this one. Because when I wear, when I wear the bead, I feel like, ah, okay, he's my hero anyway. So I feel the, I feel him, you know. And also, and also, as a, as a Christian or from a Christian background, the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So, and he actually took that to heart, you know, and he left us, left, left us some properties, which, which in turn, I had to like, um, just a couple of last year, yeah, last year, I had to like move some, not some, one to my, uh, to my eldest daughter. You get, so it just, oh, this is actually from my dad and I'm giving it to you. So this is. In your name now so that's kind of it's, it's a huge feeling for me it's not something that yeah we can do whatever we want to do with it but just to hold it and say you know what this is not gonna back um this is not something that i would like to dispose of right now i still want to like cherish that that thing that connection between me and him so i there are some things that I don't really like, I don't like care about, but these ones are like personal to me. Got it. Interesting. What about you, Carla? Do you have anything that you keep it Sorry, from your just, parents? Just to jump jump in there. So we've got two comments. Sasha said it's the same example with the bubble of tulip mania in 17th century. The valuation for a few rare tulips. Um, was more than big houses in Amsterdam. That's from Sasha. And Nelson is saying, Simon, and just like the Egyptians, you can always put, <laughs> put a hex on your stuff in case uh, anyone tries to take you. <laughs> Excuse me. In case anyone tries to take from you, you're reaching out to anyone from the afterlife. Okay. <laughs> back, to you, back to you, Carla. Yeah, I do. I have a couple of items that were given to me by my dad um, at really important um, stages in my life. So one is um, a couple of, well, it's two bracelets that he gave me around the time of my graduation. And I kept them because they were specifically given to me because of my graduation. And I'd been in my dad's bad books for many years before my graduation because I dropped out of school to have a baby and then had another baby after that. So my dad was really annoyed with me for a long time. And when I finally graduated from university, 
just before I was 30, he gave me these two gold bracelets and he told me that he was proud of me and it, and it stuck with me. So I, I kept them. And he said to me specifically then, he said, do not ever sell them. Um, do not ever get rid of them, treasure them. And I also have oh, a bag. Yeah, I also have a bag. And even my kids know, the kids know the bracelets are there and they're kept in a really you know, special way. And the kids know that they are responsible for looking after the bracelets when I'm no longer here. And there's also a bag that my daughter's, it's like an overnight bag. And my dad, um, he used to be a QVC shopper. So it's not just ladies. My dad used to go on the TV channels and shop. Um, and sometimes he would see nice things and he would buy them. And he bought me this particularly really nice bag. It was like a unique leather um, overnight bag. And he was really pleased. I think he actually wanted the bag for himself, but it was a woman's bag, so he gave it to me. Um, and the same thing he said, keep it because it's a really good bag. And my daughters, they use it when they travel. And it's traveled from Qatar, it's traveled around the UK, it's been to Scotland and back a few times. And it's it's a bit um, rough around the edges now, but everybody knows, you know, all my kids know that that's mom's special bag. So if you borrow it, she's just going to do this to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but bring it back. So those are the two items that I have, and they're both from my dad, and they're really, you know, they're special items. And I get rid of everything, but I don't get rid of those. Amazing. What about you, Carla? Do you have something that it's always with you? You cannot get rid of them. Uh, well, actually, uh, I've got ripped off in Paris, so I have nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, the only, the only thing that, uh, that stayed with me is this necklace. Uh, that my dad brought me uh, five or seven years ago in Morocco. I was begging him to buy me a gold necklace, so he accepted <laughs> to buy it for me. And uh, I think it's uh, um, the only necklace that left after I've got um, ripped off in Paris. Um, but I, all the gifts that people give me, I, I keep it in... I store it and I keep it because it's uh, sentimental and reminds me of the events that happened. And uh, I do uh, like to store gifts that are given to me. Great. I think uh, we're um, we're receiving some message that I think the link is not working on social media. Well, uh, I don't know how to fix that. Maybe we have to remind ourselves for next time. I don't know. But uh, I think yeah, the Facebook link is not working. Uh, we have been notified before by StreamYard that they do have problems with Facebook. Um, just to let the viewers know, we can we are on YouTube. So by all means, just type in Podcasters Unleashed and you'll see us and you can follow us on there. Back to you, Matilda. Very good. I want to ask the last question and we wrap up tonight's show. I want to see if you guys, uh, do you hoard anything? Are you a hoarder? Uh, um, I hope it's not a very private question. Food and cleaning products. Yeah? <laughs> Food and cleaning products, because I think those are the most sensible things to hoard. Um, because you, you never know what's going to happen. And if you've got food and you've got cleaning products, you've kind of won half the battle already. <laughs> yeah, I, I would second that. I don't hoard, but I am a budget buyer. I'm a, I have a very mummy habit of stockpiling essential things. So soap, toilet paper, toothpaste, um, what else? Dried foods like lentils and rice. I have a thing. <laughs> 
about making sure that I have lentils, rice and peanut butter. Um, and I always just buy extra, probably coffee as well. I keep like extra jars of coffee because I have coffee every single morning and also um, ultra heat treated milk because it doesn't have to be kept in the fridge. So I've always got a supply of that. And I I kind of use that as a measure for when I'm when I'm managing my money well. So if I've got my supply of things, then I'm less likely to go to the shop and start, you know, randomly spending. Um, but also it's kind of like a rainy day thing. So if I'm getting to financial hot water or if we're all in a massive lockdown, <laughs> I've got food to feed my kid and I don't have to run to go to the shop and clear the shelves. And, and it's not a crazy amount. It's just, I would say it's like one to two months worth I try and keep. Whoa. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't play around. <laughs> I've been a mom for a long time. And you know what? Um, I've been in some really hard times financially over the years. Um, I've And I've been through some situations where I've, you know, I've been on the edge. Um, and I've always come through, but it did teach me a lot of things back in the days just to be prepared and to manage your money well and make sure that your bills are always paid, your rent is always paid, and you've got a stockpile of food to feed your kid. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, it's not hoarding, but it's um, sensible forward planning. <laughs> Very lovely. What about you, Carla? Well, I'm quite the opposite from Carla. I don't have uh, this sensibility about <laughs> budgeting everything. And for food, I don't hold to it. Like, I do grocery shopping every two, three days. Uh, I don't stock a lot. Um, I don't really stock or hold things a lot in my uh, in my environment. Uh, except my bank account, so <laughs> the only thing. Very good. Victor, do you have anything to, do you hoard anything? That's a good tip, uh, Hala. All you have to do is keep stock in the bank account. Yeah, I don't I don't hoard, but my my wife does, you know, so we go through, we go through, why are you keeping this? What is this? What is that? This thing needs to go. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. I would, next time I will, I will send them away. So we so, so just like put them on our side. But next month, two months, three months time, you still find what is this socks doing here? What's this doing here? Oh, I forgot to like send them away. I forgot to send them away. But you see the stuff keep piling up, keep piling up, keep piling up. So, but I don't all personally, but you know she does. So she's the. She's just like Carla. She wants to like do the shopping and keep on keep stocking stuff. But you, know, no. you know what's very because... funny? Um, um, I was reading about the storage and the like. Who who go, who gets the storage that much? And the percentage was eighty nine percent of females, the owners of the storage, and ninety five percent of them, uh, and ninety five percent of men. Uh, bring the storage to the storage facility, the storage stuff. So I guess the woman, the wife, buys, 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 and the husband is <laughs> forced to put it in the storage so they have room mm. to move around in the house. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a last comment from Sasha, but before I say this, um, a tip for all those men out there. I was staying with my friend one time, and he's married, and his wife wanted to buy another blender. And... Um, she had three already, and she's her just. And he would always say to her, "Justify that, justify that." Anytime she wanted to buy something new, she had to. It doesn't matter whether it's her money or not. You need to justify why you want to spend that money. 
And she said she was going to have a business selling juice. And he said, <laughs> okay, when you start making money on the juice, then you can buy the blender six months from now when you get that order, that massive order. And she looked very disappointed. And at that <laughs> moment, I left the room. <laughs> anyway, and Sasha's last comment is, I, I keep what sorry. Uh, Sasha's last comment is I keep only one thing important with me. It's my angel, and I think we all know who he's referring to. That ah. the cat, the cat. <laughs> <laughs> but back to you, Matilda. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say thank you for Sasha Serge Pakarian for tuning in and supporting us. Also, thank you, Nelson. I know. Um, you couldn't join in it, join us uh, the streamyard, but you were supporting us through the comments, and uh, I hope uh, we can fix our um, I don't know streamyard issue that uh, Facebook can see us live as well, uh, and that's it. I hope I just want to say one thing last before um, introducing our my co-host. Uh, for wrapping up is possessions represent our extended selves they provide sense of past and tell us who we are where we come from and perhaps where we are going so make sure you pay attention to what you're buying and what you're keeping uh, because it's good to declutter your life as well uh, so um, to Kaula my beautiful co-host Kaula introduce yourself and your podcast Thanks, Matilda. So I'm the host of the podcast, Women and Stories. You can reach out to me on Instagram, uh, Women and Stories Podcast, if you wanted to be a guest on my podcast, where I share stories from real women around the world. Uh, and I'm on all uh, platforms uh, for podcasts. Simon. Hi, Simon. Hi, Simon. Uh Taxi Chronicles, by all means, tune in. It's 8 p.m., 8 a.m. British Standard Time. We post every day. It's just people telling their experience about why they come to London or what they do in their life or what their life experience has been like. Very interesting, short five to 15 minutes, sometimes pushing a little bit more. But those people are giving their personal view, and I'm just a host. And it's all spontaneous, nothing's planned. We're on all platforms. Over to you, Victor. Yeah, thank you, Simon. Um, one of these days, I should be in your camp. Um, yeah, so I am Victor Sio, the host of the Diaspora Entrepreneurs Podcast. We are on all major platforms, and we are on YouTube as well. So Diaspora Entrepreneurs, check them, check us out. Over to you, Carla. And I'm Carla, and I'm the host of the Wonder and Wellbeing Podcast for parents and teachers, talking all about well-being and education. And you can find me on all good and otherwise podcasting platforms. Back to you, Matilda. And I want to tell our audience that if you couldn't join us live because we had some issues, I guess technical issues today, you can write the comments and we will get back to you with our answers as well or what we think about it. We love your interaction with us. So keep, up, keep it going and we'll see you guys next Monday, 7 p.m. London time. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And... <laughs>